All right, we good? <clears throat> Not yet. Mike's probably recording all this like prep talk. Yeah, you're you already can tell recording, me, aren't you? Face. Oh my god. We gotta cut this show. There's no way yeah, to start Nobody wants to hear this. No one wants to hear this. They're gonna be Go like, is this a mistake? Let me. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna dilly dally for another five minutes. And you have to cut this out. We've yeah. been doing this since 2013. I want the people who've been with us this whole entire time to understand. I don't think anyone has stuck with us this whole time. Some things this are better left not. You don't understood. need to see behind the curtain all the time. Producer Mike. Welcome to Six Degrees of Rumination with your hosts, Reno Gorman. Nina Boyd. And they're handsome and well-spoken. And currently using his deep voice, producer Mike. I bet you that gets you extra toppings on your pizza, doesn't right. it? Right. Oh, does. they're listening to this now. Yeah. <clears throat> Shout out to Brick's Pizza for your awesome pizza yeah. with extra delicious toppings. Fueling this podcast. Yeah. Not just any podcast. This is part two mm. of our binary space edition of Six Degrees of Rumination. Hopefully you listened to our earlier one about... Uh, Life and living in outer space, and you took our our poll that we're took. Took. He was trying. <laughs> he was just trying to like get ahead of the game and accept our overlords <laughs> that are coming soon. <laughs> um, this episode will be a little bit different in where in outer space we're looking. We're kind of we're going big. We're going far out there. We're talking about the big picture. We're asking big questions. You're gonna get little answers. Go big or phone home. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I quit. Nah, you know what? That this is going to be the worst one so far. If I may, I'm this done. is going to be a darker episode than our first one. The the matter that we're <laughs> yes, I wasn't even trying to do anything. I, know. I was just saying like it's darker in tone. It's fucking. If we say more puns, Mike is going to leave. I'm done. I'm not, <laughs> He's going to. I can't do it anymore. But what about all your questions regarding dark matter? I don't have any dark photons. I don't have any. You guys have what about been dark abu- radios. You guys have been abusing me since 2013. You like the abuse. That's a great. Hashtag for our podcast. Using <laughs> I mean, producer Mike since twenty thirteen. Yeah. What about all your questions about the Oort cloud? Look, dude, I'm, you don't even know what the Oort cloud is. He at least no, has one I question. Yeah. I, I, yeah. How much longer do I have to keep doing this? Well, um, no, I don't have these questions. I care about. The, I'm a Capricorn. I care about two, maybe three things. <laughs> I care about money and sex. This podcast is about having sex and money in space. <laughs> Actually, our last episode was, was about yeah. sex and space. You should check out our one. previous episode if you have any questions about sex and space. Yeah, I don't have any questions about space. Well, I, you're going to get small answers to the questions right. you didn't even knew, know you had. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, be really helpful here. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll be talking about lots of fun stuff in the big scheme of things. We're going to start out at the very beginning, though. Whoa. Seems an appropriate place to start. Yeah. The Big Bang. Is that what we call it these days? What? Well, that actually, like a question. Oh. Big Bang's not a, is kind of a misnomer. So that's what I call it every time I bang. <laughs> a misnomer? <laughs> it wasn't really a big bang. It's like a medium yeah. bang. Okay, so when you think Big Bang, like our, I think most people have a general con- concept conception of Big Bang. Okay, everything started in this single point and it exploded and blew up, and everything's been uh, blowing outwards since then and that's where it all came from because if we if we look at the records of where things are going like we can reverse you know we can theoretically like reverse time and see like oh things were pulling towards each other and eventually like they must have all been united in this one little spot at the beginning of time and then somehow some way things just exploded from that infinitely dense one point which is one way to understand it but maybe a better way to understand it is that the entire 
fabric of space-time started expanding really, really fast and not really an explosion, but like space itself expanded. And I'll give you an analogy in a little bit. But another question that comes up is, okay, if everything kind of like expanded or blew up or whatever from the singular point, where are we in the universe? Are we like on the outer edge? Are we like near the middle? Is there a middle? Are we running out of room? Are we That's running out of material for this episode? So I guess, it, it, <laughs> I guess I'm going to ask questions because you brought shit up. Um, so Big Bang, I'll start at one point and they expanded out on 360 degrees from this point in in three yeah. dimensional space in yeah, three right. dimensional space so mm-hmm. basically it's just going and going and going right do we know where this point is that it started from yes so actually then, we do so then we in should know way. how far out we are from it exactly well, and that's where we're gonna get to okay then why do we ask that fucking question because well, we're trying to introduce it in that, an interesting way that's the question that some people might have like are we are we at the center are we near the edge and scientists have a pretty good understanding of where we are in the universe I need new friends. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually pretty close to the center, like about less than 0.1%. Oh, wait, no, no. Um, we're, we're very, very close, about 17 million light years away from where the center appears to be. Considering that um, the universe is about 13.8 billion years old, and we can see um about 46 billion light years away from us because the stars. space itself has been expanding it's crazy you would think well if the universe has only been around for 13.8 billion years we should be able to see about 6.9 billion light years in any direction if we're near the center because that's the radius right so are but we no we can see about 46 billion light point. years because space itself has expanded so it's been around for 13 billion years, but it's gotten much, 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 much bigger. So we can see much further than just 13.8 billion years. So it's expanding at a greater rate than it initially started at then. This is true, yes. And whereas if you think of an explosion, like it, everything blows up, and then eventually, you know, friction and energy and dissipates and so it'll slow down. But that's not the case with... Well, there's nothing stopping it. So therefore, it just keeps building momentum. Right. It's but making you, its own road, basically. You would think that gravity, or the idea was if there's enough mass and energy, that gravity that is created by that mass energy would be enough to slow it down. No. Or I mean, even bring it to a standstill or even pull it back in for a big crunch. But what they found is, no, that initial explosion or expansion is beyond what gravity will pull back in exactly because i mean you have to think if it's expanding at that rate there's only so many black holes right yeah that are sucking things in and everything like that mm-hmm. there's only so the amount of black holes versus the, the the rate that it's expanding there's no way for it to compensate for that right like since like the early 19 or mid 1900s why do i understand this shit i'm, I'm not very inter- well done i'm very I'm impressed. not impressed i don't give a fuck about space that's why, why you had no questions <laughs> you already understood everything i don't i don't get it like what the fuck now how do we how do we know how do we figure this out let me tell you it's all about doppler shift folks oh, what do you know about here doppler? we go what like the radar that they use on the news yeah, that's about of, it yeah. for me. Well, okay, so if um, since things are moving away from us, the light waves that are traveling to us from like a distant galaxy or star, since that gar- uh, star or galaxy is moving away from us, the energy, the light waves are being stretched a little bit longer and slower. So the wavelengths are getting bigger, which means it's being redshifted. So when we look at a star, we see its light. It has shifted more towards the red spectrum because its wavelengths have been pulled long. Whereas if something's traveling closer to you, the 
wavelengths are getting compressed and so the wavelengths get shorter and that makes it look blue shifted. This is similar to how like when you hear an airplane or a siren or a car coming towards you, it goes It's the same noise, but since it's coming at you, the waves are getting compressed, which means a higher frequency. When it's driving away from you, those the sound waves are getting decompressed and stretched. So that's why it goes it gets lower pitch. That's basically the Doppler shift. And so when we look out in the universe, we see all these stars and galaxies and almost all of them are red shifted. Basically all of them are red shifting. They're, they're moving away from us, which is like, well, shit, if everything's moving away from us. That makes me sad because one day, I mean, like not in our lifetime, but if people are still around at a certain point, you won't even be able to see the stars. Is that This is true. Yes. And like, this is already happening where like super, super distant galaxies and stars are traveling so fast away from us that we lose sight of them and we will never ever be able to see them again because nothing travels faster than the speed of light at so. some point the sky will be just blackness yes yes millions or billions of years from now but we still have our star yes yes so well, it's not going to be blackness it's just well, well i mean at, at night, night. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm, yeah that's what i'm saying when the not sun goes to sleep no, well i know mike but i'm saying <laughs> it makes me sad to think of like eventually even if there's no people around to witness it the night sky will look so different i get that yeah. it's changed over time you know slowly mm -hmm. And it changes seasonally too, but like the stars have always been visible to us. But that doesn't. So weird. If things are stretching and going in different directions and all that other shit, that doesn't mean there isn't going to be something eventually there to replace it. But what would be there? Who knows? We're not moving. <laughs> it's moving away from us. But something. Most could things be. are moving away from us. There yeah. are some things moving towards us. Like exactly. The Milky Way is heading towards the Andromeda Galaxy, and we're heading towards the. Um, Leo constellation. <laughs> but we're moving away from the Aquarius constellation. Moving out of the Aquarius constellation there. <laughs> yeah, so it. basically when these galaxies collide. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Is that Pyramid 5000 reference? Oh, we're ready, we're ready. Yeah. yeah, I remember that song. <laughs> there we go. Um, anyways, yeah. um, when we look at like galaxies and stars that are red shifted or some that are blue shifting, we can see that some are a little bit more red shifted than others and we got some that are blue shifting so we can see kind of like what direction basically the expansion is concentrated from oh, i've got okay. a question let's rewind all right so space is infinitely expanding right yes so when it's expanding does that mean there's new shit in that expanded area or does that just mean that the shit was the shit from the initial big bang mm -hmm. is just spreading out that might be a better way of explaining it. So, like, so, the best analogy they give is instead of thinking of, like, a grenade exploding, all these fragments, like, blowing away from one another, if you imagine, like, uh, a ball of cookie dough. Mike is going to love this analogy. Say it exactly how it is in here, because I want to gross them out. It's not cookie dough like chocolate chip cookies. It's got raisins in it. It's a ball of dough with raisins in it. Okay, fine. Let's just go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Let's just get it over with. Um, you put it in the oven, right? And the it space, expands. yeah, everything, the dough itself is expanding. So the space between all the chocolate chips and the raisins is expanding. Um, so technically, everything there is to discover in outer space is already there. Nothing new is in there. That might be one way of, of saying, yeah, I think so. So basically, our undiscovereds right now, that's it. There's only a limited amount of them. Yeah. However, but we're probably never going to discover of them, all of it. Of yeah. them, right? And it's going to take longer to discover them now because they're further away from us. So what yeah, and, there, and there's things beyond that. There's beyond our um, the not the event horizon, maybe, some kind of horizon. They've got a name for it, but 
there's stuff beyond what we can see because it's just expanded so far so fast but all that stuff was there from the initial bang yes exactly and like we can see since it's all moving away we're like okay well then ten thousand years ago they must have been like closer together and you rewind it 13.8 billion years ago and like it was all like super duper close together to an infinitely dense point where everything was one ball of energy of energy and space time it's too bad we weren't around then a and b didn't have spaceships then because we could have discovered everything when it was right next to us i don't think we could have traveled the whole universe in like five days because that's the thing it's just like you you think everything's expanding like that you know the amount of friction and everything that would have been created from all this stuff like colliding with each other wonder how much shit was actually damaged in this right like, so that's the thing it's just like you know it's just like what could have been a planet is now just a like fucking, bunch of asteroids yeah. yeah just a bunch of space debris because yeah. it, during the initial thing it's like everything's probably bumping into each other right well like even the idea of things bumping into other things like things couldn't really exist because you, you can't even have solid states of yeah. matter for the first like something like three hundred thousand years because it's so hot, so energetic, you don't even get atoms. You just have intense, uh, you know, friction. Yeah. I guess that was its safeguard that nothing really got damaged in that case. Yeah, right. Nothing, no physical object, I guess. Yeah, the beginning of the universe, yeah, like there wasn't even protons or electrons to bump into each other. Those come later when things cool down, there's more space and things. But even then, like the theory about our planet, I don't know if it's a theory or proven, is we were a black hole are you, are you done serious <laughs> we were not a black hole okay then where does our gravity come from because isn't that, from what, is it, it was that was a theory i remember reading one time that basically the black hole's entrance gets clogged hmm no i think that might be miss i don't know where i read that or maybe it was old yeah. and now yeah I it was someone being that. like hypothesizing we're actually yeah. going to talk about black holes later on in this episode so if you're interested in that stay Stick tuned around. folks we're yeah. getting to it um okay so yeah the universe expanded and it kind of like expands um between like all the raisins of uh, using our analogy like the space between all the raisins and chocolate chips grows but still like you can we can see that like there was probably like a center to this cookie to the universal cookie <laughs> and yeah we're we're only like um, 17 million light years away from the center, which is um, within less than 1% Relatively close, I of guess. the center. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty spot on. I mean, yeah. if you were eyeballing it, like we're basically near the center of the universe. But why would we be in the center? I just feel like that's But that's probably why there's life on this planet. This point, I mean. Well, I've also, I've also uh, read previously that like you can, in some ways you can consider like everywhere in the universe to be the center since every since every raisin expanding. is expanding away from all the other raisins basically yeah, yeah that makes sense you yeah. could consider you know something 40 billion light years away and be like maybe that's the center of the universe um but like it sounds like they've got a pretty good handle on it and it seems as though in a sense that we are near the center of the universe but that's only if you kind of look at it from like a big bang kind of perspective if you're looking at more of like a big expansion like or inflation yeah i think that's that's the word they use is inflation well, i mean riddle me this if we're that close <laughs> to the center that means we technically no i mean if everything was already there then it doesn't make a difference i was thinking that maybe we're older 
in the sense and that's why there's life on this planet in this galaxy and everything like that mm-hmm. but if everything that was in space is already in space and it's mm-hmm. just spreading out then never mind everything's kind of equally as old as anything else yeah yeah all of the universe is basically 13.8 billion years so long as we're not like taking into account like multi-universes or extra dimensions or wormholes or stuff like that but yeah basically everything's the same age and um another uh one of the reasons they kind of proved this um great inflation or expansion thing over versus big bang is if it was like a grenade exploding you'd have all these like little shrapnels and bits like expanding outwards and then you know you look at the remnants and you, you see like little fragments like space pretty far apart from one another the further you go away from the center of the explosion right well when you when we look at the universe and we look at the most distant galaxies they're closer together because when we look far away, we're also looking at No, oh, they them just seem from, closer together. No, they are closer oh, together. Okay. Which wouldn't happen if it was an explosion, but if it was an expansion, when we look, you know, thirteen billion years away and we see a star, that's the light getting to us thirteen billion years, you know, later. So that's what it looked like thirteen billion years ago. And thirteen billion yeah. years ago, all these galaxies were really close together, and it's just all the space between them has expanded to where we are now so when we look you know when we look through telescopes and we look way 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 far away we're looking at the history of the universe which is really cool so really what it does is it just means that it's going to be insanely difficult to ever Mm -hmm. go anywhere outside of our galaxy oh yeah absolutely yeah like it's like it's almost like you're trying to race against you're trying to win a race you already lost yeah, yeah, we already lost that race. We're not, we're not going There's anywhere. No, so it's it. it's almost impossible to get into like the Andromeda's galaxy or any of these things like that because it keeps getting further and further away from us. Mm-hmm. And as our technology isn't there to go visit it now, it just means it just becomes that much more unreachable. Mm-hmm. How depressing for all you geeks. <laughs> one other, one other final way to conceptualize this is um, Einstein's theory of general relativity. Which basically says that um, matter and energy are you know, the same thing. Matter and energy um, distort space-time. They warps it, curves it, and that's what creates the effect of gravity, right? So if you had all the energy and all this matter all compressed into a single point, all of a sudden that would totally rip you know space time and it, it caused this huge expansion of space because that matter and energy would would warp space time itself like you can't have matter and energy without space so that might be another way of kind of wrapping your head around like how does space itself you know expand well we have all that energy all in one spot like it has to warp space time the fabric of space itself People are still going to ask the question, though, how did all that stuff get there in the first place and then expand outward? You know, where did that come from? That came from the uh, flying spaghetti monster. Oh, right. Okay. He willed it into existence, clearly. Explained. Yeah. It's real simple. (laughs) And that about wraps it up for uh, (laughs) six degrees. Just when I feel like I'm almost getting vested into something. Uh, moving on, I think. We are. Are we? I don't know. So, fast forward, uh, I don't know, five, six billion years or <laughs> so, seven billion years, yeah. and you finally get the birth of our star. And I don't know if you Aww. know this or not, but stars are usually born in pairs. Like twins. Like Geminis. Right. Yes. Yeah. Binary stars. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so the question has been like, well, that's kind of weird that we don't have a twin star because most stars come in pairs. So, but they're like, wait a minute, there's actually evidence suggesting that we might have been part of a, there, our son was part of a binary relationship earlier on and then it, uh, they spun each other out and one got, one of us or both of us got flung apart from yeah, one another. Yeah, which is so sad. This is a sad episode. Well, maybe Lots Earth of- couldn't exist with a double <laughs> star. Yeah, maybe that's true. If they hadn't flung each other um, outward and moved away, we wouldn't be here. And so some of the evidence for that is the Oort cloud and the possibility of a planet nine. Yeah, so the Oort cloud. (laughs) (laughs) Glazed overlooks here. The Oort cloud is like beyond the Kuiper belt. It's like this um, big... Outside of our solar system, there's a huge sphere of icy like micro planets and like little comets just rotating around us and uh it's called the Oort cloud that's where they think most of our uh comets come from there's little frozen icy snowballs that get pulled into orbit around the sun and they get flung out like way 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 beyond pluto and uh just from like the the looks of the cloud and it's um its characteristics like it would make more sense if um, there was a binary star a pair of stars that had all these um, all these rocky fragments comet field at that spot and we got flung out and brought the Oort cloud with us um, by looking at the the tilt and the orbit of some of those uh, uh, fragments it would just make more sense if it, if it started from a binary star system but I guess we're probably never going to find if we do have um, like a twin sun. There's no way we're going to find it or even yeah. predict where it is, let alone get there, especially if everything keeps expanding. Yeah, it would be millions of miles, trillions of miles away from us. It'd be somewhere in the Milky Way galaxies. be too hard to figure out like which star in the Milky Way galaxy used to be paired with us. And we don't even know if we are where we began either, so... Like the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because everything's changing. I have a question. Oh. So, uh, this is just purely because I want to rain on parades here. All right. So, that means... And think of it this way. Like, on Earth, we have coordinates, right? Mm-hmm. So, you go to a certain mm-hmm. longitude and latitude. Right. And you'll find whatever it is you list. So, that if I say... So, if I found out what the longitude and latitude, the coordinates were for... this condo that we live in yeah i could give that to someone they could find it that way correct so in all these stupid ass sci-fi books like star trek and everything else stupid ass sci-fi books yeah well i want to shit on nerds okay um (laughs) perfect so basically they're using coordinates to find their planets that they go to and everything like that correct but if what you're telling me is is space is constantly moving and expanding that means those coordinates coordinates are are no longer correct because everything's shifting and moving and spreading out well, correct. So, one, so, so, wait, so that means all uh-oh. their stupid fucking books can suck my ass. <laughs> That's right. Fuck so, you, nerds. So everything, yes, everything in the universe is moving. You, you know, can't the, do your light speeds. You can't do all your shit. Well, I mean, if you go fast enough, like faster than the, but the, the shit's space always is expanding. Gotta move. No, the if you go faster than that. The shit's always going to move, which means the coordinates that were there one light year aren't going to be there the next light year. But, oh, but oh. like we, like we, 
are in the Milky Way galaxy, right? And it has a spiral galaxy, and the, all these stars are rotating around it at a certain mm-hmm. speed. And we can we can kind of predict where they're going to be in ten thousand years and where they were ten thousand years before. So yeah, you can no. you can have an idea of like predictions okay, come false. No, all the time. wait a minute, wait, 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 hold on. You, so you'd know like where like say like uh, Proxima Centauri is the nearest star and like you can see its velocity and where it's going you can be like okay 10 years from now it will be in this new court system because this is the direction it's going and how fast it's going so we can predict where it's going just like mercury is rotating around the sun we know where it's going to be 100 years from now where we can or we can calculate it out but it's moving it's not this. But, it's, yes, yes. But it's, it's not this set of coordinates that you get yes. to just punch into your mm-hmm. computer and zip Wait, along the galaxies. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but if but, everything is expanding at the same rate, shouldn't yes. the coordinates shift? Like, let's say that this, this Dr. Pepper is at zero zero, and this isn't just, in his books though. You're thinking no, well, about saying, it dynamically now. Huh. No, I'm saying let's say that this this Dr. Pepper on our table, let's say it's in the middle of the table, is at coordinate zero and zero, and my laptop is at like whatever it would be zero and one. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's nothing in between. There's no coordinate between these. So, so if I just say this is like this, this so it's spreading apart. It's still, yeah. if I still say this is zero zero, this could still be zero one. Right, it's just, just there's space between zero and one is growing apart. Yes, I'm not going to have a coordinate here where there's nothing except empty space. So. But, that's the thing is so it's like if you look at it in terms of like what's on on earth yeah the coordinates never really move i mean there's plate tectonics and all that shit like that sure. but for the most part your longitude and latitude is almost always the same yeah sure. see they when these stupid fuck books were written <laughs> they didn't take into this expanding space bullshit i, I bet some you some of them, them did do. because they I always predict it. what's I happening no no I bet you some sci-fi. Hey, it doesn't hey, matter because it's still, I'm sure the coordinate would fucking, still work. Look, I'm sure there's some fucking nerd Star mm-hmm. Trek-y bullshittery. Message us. to this right now. Message us. Go ahead and message Reno. <laughs> yeah, message me. You're not going to get a response from me. Either that or I'm going to troll you if you fucking mm. try to hit me up directly. I'm just going to be there like, tool. <laughs> now, you I'll, can be totally right. I'm still going to talk shit on you. Sure. Well. Um, so, yeah. So, if we... If, using... Um, your analogy of like you know coordinates and longitude and latitude like you you picture like a graph paper right and you'd be like okay it's zero comma one here right yeah but the space itself is expanding so like now it's at zero zero but your laptop's at zero ten right i guess but uh, nothing is right. going in between them so it doesn't right. matter well space itself yeah i mean there's now I there mean, is more space between like now they are like ten light years apart it's versus just like just one using a apart. different graph paper size the graph paper itself is expanding but unless you're no, I'm saying like it's just like using a different uh like proportions of squares and graph paper Dif- different units yeah. of measurement but so i don't i'm not sure if everything is proportionally expanding away from oh well then it proportionally doesn't work. like so yeah. if you if you're translating like where planet nina is and where planet mike is and planet <laughs> reno like maybe the proportions are exactly the same. Like it's the same triangle triangle they make. Yeah. And in or the terms of the Trekkies, if you're not constantly recalibrating for that expansion, uh, okay. you're not going to be able to travel to the same spot. Right. Well, whatever. So they have so, to take that into account. Yes. And because this, all this shit was written before we really never talked about this, that means they didn't take that into account. I still think which means all their shit is fucking work. wrong. <laughs> A whole entire universes of fucking bullshittery is done. No, there's always some like super visionary in the sci-fi world, and usually they take into account, um, they they predict things and they figure out you know Just stuff that could be, and they let it be, you know. 
Whatever, Mike. All you right. want one of those people that got shat on to contact me. So please, please do yeah. reach yeah. out. No, they already turned off our I podcast. hope I've triggered somebody in the past two episodes. Oh, I'm sure you have. They're going to find your coordinates and come for you. Bring it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that doesn't impress you, if you found a bunch of plot holes in that one, how about this? For the first time in history, a spacecraft has touched the sun. Okay. Are you impressed? Are you like a blister in the sun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Touch the sun. Won't you come? I know. I can't figure out how okay, to change so those lyrics. Okay, so they created a spacecraft that could withstand that heat, and it touched the surface of the sun. It was last year. I thought year, the sun was just spring. a bunch of fucking gas burning. Well, they, I don't know. They, they put the word touched in quotes to kind of allow for that. But basically, like, no other spacecraft has gone into the corona part of the sun and investigated it and gotten that close. What? Don't. <laughs> what? Nothing. No. Yeah, so like the sun isn't. Song. The sun is not a solid ball. It is like a ball of plasma. Yeah. Which is a different state of matter. It's kind of like gas, but not quite. And so there's not a, like a defining, like, this is where the sun starts and this is where the sun stops. The yeah. corona it has all these streaming particles and has lots of magnetism. Like when we look at a. Um, uh, an eclipse and we see like the the white wispy part coming um f- around the perimeter of the sun that's the coronasphere that's the corona so it went into that like area yeah so the parker solar probe which launched just a few years ago um made it inside the corona and it sent back um less than spectacular images i mean they're cool i was just talking before they're black and white i mean they might have been printed black and white for the article for some reason <laughs> no those are the same pictures uh, okay. i've seen so never mind i mean you try taking a picture of the sun while you're in it i will and you get me a color photo <laughs> i will then... these are pretty you know they're like they're high contrast i wouldn't say high resolution <laughs> but you, you can definitely see that it's a photo of something i mean it... the contrast is great here's the thing about all these photographs from space like when you look at them out of context they don't seem that impressive it's just like great here's a blur like this looks like a, a series of images like if, if you've ever drawn driven inside um one of those tunnels like the freeway turns into a tunnel for a mm-hmm. while i feel like it looks a lot like that it does not look otherworldly or really impressive but when you realize what it is and you think about a spacecraft actually took mm-hmm. a photo and then made it back after being inside this corona area and, and the photos came out and everything worked out that's pretty amazing i think we should look up how how hot the corona is it's- Probably like a bajillion degrees hot. That's probably right. Yeah. Something around a bajillion. <laughs> a bajillion. Hella hot. Yeah. Right, so what exactly. materials did they make this thing out of? Um, you know, I don't know. I didn't really say in this article. Some we weird. could probably yeah. look up. I'm gonna see if um, I can find it. Because I didn't think there would be anything on Earth that would be able to withstand the heat of the sun. That well, close. it didn't. Right, I don't know that's... how long it was in there either. Well, you know? okay. So this is the thing is it it's making 26 close approaches to the sun. So. When they do things like this, like they sit, like they orbit, they use the the gravity from planets and from the sun to fling this satellite close in, and then it flings it back out, and then mm-hmm. it's actually looping around um, the gravity of Venus to fling it back at the sun. And for you people that are not in the podcast, you probably know that Venus is the second planet from the sun. Mercury is actually closer, so there's enough gravitational fling that it just whizzes past Mercury's orbit and goes mm. all the way out to Venus's orbit. And Venus is about the size of the Earth, so it has more gravitational uh, slingshotting than Mercury does. But um, this happens um, 
uh, a lot. So it's, it's going to be a seven-year mission. It's going to be 26 close approaches to the sun. It's going to maneuver seven times around uh, Venus as a gravitational slingshot. Pretty uh, crazy. Mm-hmm. It apparently has a carbon composite shield around it, which is 4.5 inches thick. That's not as thick as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And That's it can withstand... <laughs> God. I thought this was our serious episode. It can withstand temperatures reaching nearly uh, 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. That's it? 2,500 degrees seem Fahrenheit? very impressive to me. I, you'd think the coronosphere would be a lot hotter. I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's not like it's the core of the sun or right. whatever. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe it's, it is different. So, um, anyway. So, actually, this article goes on to say, like, this, the sun doesn't have a solid surface. Instead, its boundary is defined by... What we like to call the Alphaven critical surface. That's what I like to call it. Where the gravity and the sun's magnetic fields are too weak to contain the solar plasma. And that's where you get the corona that's ejecting solar wind mm. um, out. And, um, and we've known about this for a while, um, but we were pretty limited on being able to study it. Like, eclipses are really helpful in, in, in studying this stuff. Or special telescopes, too, I think, help. Um, but there's like crazy magnetic fields that like warp and pull some of that plasma back in. They're called like switchbacks. And um, they're getting to understand that more um, because of the Parker Solar Probe. And um, they're just learning a little bit more that, that those are more common than they thought. And there's probably some other like nitty gritty technical stuff that they're learning from this satellite that's touching the sun. I mean, at the very least, they can make more things like this and have them go to harsher conditions and you know, mm-hmm. figure out how to advance it from there. And maybe one day we'll live on Mars, I think, is our main goal <laughs> once again in this. Check out our previous episode if you think <laughs> living on Mars would be a stupid idea. No, no. It's, it is a stupid idea. I mean, but maybe years from now it won't be. Humans do stupid things. There's they nothing do, yeah. there. They might have a Pizza Hut. We're not, we're not going down this road again. I already shed all over Mars, literally and figuratively, wow. on the last episode. So you episode. did go there. Okay, yeah. Um, there are a lot of mysteries out there in the world. Should we live on Mars? How can we get to the center of the sun? I don't know. Why does this thing only have 4.5 inches of a shield around it and it's still safe? <laughs> that, to me, was pretty baffling. But um, And I think we've talked about this in a previous episode, but the Earth pulses every 26 seconds and seismologists don't know why they can't agree on a reason why aliens i'm sure some people will theorize it's aliens trump's aliens telling him to hold (laughs) off trump's alien allies (laughs) exactly listen to last episode yeah it's fucking aliens in bases underneath the surfaces of mars and earth and we're fucked (laughs) we're anal probed oh my god the last time we talked about this i think we mentioned that the pulse was um detected in the ocean like underwater you know some people say it's caused by volcanoes but no one can really agree on what the cause is and i think the weirdest part about it is that it happens every 26 seconds so it's not like it's an earthquake i mean coming back to wreak havoc on humanity it's it's earth's beating heart obviously you guys i think that that's a really good no, that's stupid. Fairy tale? No, no. Well, no, no I mean... Uh, no. 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 Like, analogy for something else. Uh, analogy, God, yeah, you, you deal with analogies, It could Mike. be something, you know, no. that the Earth needs to do no. to survive. No. Our mother goddess, if you will. No. <laughs> Actually, I saw a video recently. Oh, now he's interested. Yeah, I think it was the Russians, I think. <laughs> hmm. And they tried to drill all the way down to the center of the Earth. 
Yeah. Well, I think just through they the crust. Stop that like, they can't even get past the and crust. And they couldn't get far. They started hearing weird noises and shit down there. Mm. Like, oh, like there were people living there? Like a creepy kind of status. We've well, got to do an episode on this. We've yeah. got to do a field trip see, to the center of the earth. Let me see if I episode. can find that like video or article or whatever the fuck it was that I saw. Yeah, okay. It could have been like some dipshit on like TikTok yeah. or some shit talking out of his ass. So let me verify well, that it's real. All the dumbass producer mics are going to fall for this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. This dumbass producer, Mike, will verify if it's real. Cool. All right. So this this pulse, I mean, who knows how long it's been going on, but it was first documented in the early 1960s by Jack Oliver, a researcher um, at a geological observatory. So that's the first time it was officially recorded, and it looked like it was coming from somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. And they're using um, seismographs, which measure the earthquakes, right? And they're but very, it's not very like sensitive. A big, yeah, but they're it's very not like sensitive. Like the Earth is basically kind of always kind of like rumbling and grumbling, and you, you've got little tiny like one point two earthquakes happening all the time, and yeah, little three point and little tiny little shifts and ripple. You know, they have rippling shockwaves. around. Yeah. So isolating this tiny blip that's almost insignificant, but being able to be like oh man this is like a reoccurring yeah. blip that happens periodically from this one spot and i'm sure that's why they've they isolated is because they saw it happening so regularly and i don't know what would be doing that especially because i've never heard of anything else like that mm-hmm. it's not like there's other like every 45 seconds or something some other regular blip that you mm-hmm. notice you know so later on in 1980 this guy named gary holcomb a u.s geologist with the u.s geological survey um noticed this and he figured out that it's strongest happening during storms um but they would be but his work and research basically just went unnoticed or just kind of left because they couldn't really explain it and didn't seem to be that big of a deal i guess but it was in 2005 a graduate student named greg benson was working with uh, seismic data from University of Colorado Boulder, and uh, he pulled up some data on it, and he um, started investigating this this rhythm, and it's basically coming off of the um, it's coming from the bite of Bonnie. Oh right, the bite of Bonnie. Good old bite of Bonnie. I mean, who could forget the bite of Bonnie? Um, <laughs> It's happening in the Atlantic Ocean. It's just right off the coast of like uh, Nigeria and Cameroon and around that area of so uh, Western me. Western Africa. It sounds like an Irish thing to me. Bi- yeah. You know, bite Bonnie. Yeah, exactly. That's I guess more British. I don't know how to do an yeah, Irish I, accent. That's odd because all of us are Irish. <laughs> Nobody well, can do one. I mean, I guess our ancestors were Irish. Yeah. At least some of them were. No, not like all of us like humans, but all three of us have Irish ancestry. Right, right, right. I'm going to segue. Oh, okay. Whoa. Well, with your own article? Or? Whoa. Oh, did he, he found it. I found yeah. it. Yeah, okay. So uh-huh. this is my segue. So during the Cold War, the U.S. and Soviets both created ambitious projects drilled deeper than ever before. Uh, basically, there was one that the... One that the what the fuck are you guys doing? Reno's laptop uh, is here. gonna die. I would say give you mine, but whatever. So really, what's going on here is we were in a a different type of race. It wasn't a space race. It was a drill to the center of the world it was space. A drill waste. <laughs> yeah, so Our countries are so goddamn We were racing dumb. in both directions. Must <laughs> How like can we destroy this planet itself. first? All right, so uh, it got called according to some. This is the entrance to hell. Hmm. Uh, it's called the Kola Super Deep Borehole. 
It's the deepest man-made hole on Earth and deepest artificial point on Earth. 40,000 to 40,230 feet deep. Whoa, that's deeper than Mariana's Trench. Yeah, that's deep, baby. That's deep. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. Basically, they had to stop. It got to about 356 degrees Fahrenheit down there. Oh, well, that's one reason. And there's a scientist that actually, like, dropped the microphone down there. And what they described was the sounds of hell. What? If it was that yeah. hot, how did the microphone <clears throat> so survive? So here we go. Uh, the, there was a plan to drill, so basically I'm just skimming around and trying to give you a synopsis. I don't know how these two do it all the time. Usually I'm not paying attention. Well, you didn't pre-read um, it. So. No, fuck no, I didn't. That's Are why. you kidding? Research? Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> um, let's see here. Where is it where they were talking about how... So 40,000 feet deep. That's like yeah, eight that's, miles deep. All right. And then it was the turn of the Cola Super Deep Borehole. Uh, drilling was stopped in 92 when the temperature reached 180 degrees Celsius, which is 350 degrees, 356 degrees Fahrenheit. This was twice what was expected at the depth, and drilling deeper was no longer possible. Following the collapse of the Soviet Union, there was no money to fund such projects. So there's still a hole out there. We just need to drop some money. Not in the hole, obviously, but on the hole. You could probably rich grant, take that. Rich granted yeah. if you toss a penny in there. Uh, hole, the Parker three, probe can go in there and survive. Three years <laughs> later, the whole facility was closed down. Um, the German borehole was then spared. The fate of others, the, hu- the huge drill rig is still there and a tourist attraction today, so there's like multiple holes that everyone was digging. Uh, when Dutch artist Lottie Geven, I guess is her name, fuck it, I don't know, something in Dutch, lowered her microphone protected by a thermal shield down the German borehole, it picked up a deep run- rumbling sound that scientists couldn't explain. A rumbling that made her feel very small. It was the first time in my life this big ball we live, in, live on came to life, and it sounds haunting. Some of the people thought it sounded like hell. Others thought they could hear the planet breathe. Do you think that was just the mm. microphone rolling around on whatever yeah. surface? I mean, I'm <laughs> saying, like, you don't know what it was. Also, so if cool. it was 356 degrees Fahrenheit, how did the microphone survive? Oh, because it's it, protected by a thermal shield. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yes. Thermal shield again. Yeah. Pay attention. Huh? Was it 4.5 inches thick? Uh, maybe that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> it's the motion of the ocean. Oh, my God. Well, that's still creepy. I wonder if we can find uh, a recording yeah, of that, that's that not noise. Right. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. All right. While you do that, we're going to segue to our next bit. Uh, this bit is actually called a super bit. Huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> the super bit is a low-cost balloon um, telescope that's basically on par with Hubble, or maybe even a little bit better than Hubble. So you think about, uh, the thing about telescopes is when we looking out the universe we're looking through our atmosphere and all the gas all the air um refracts the light and bends the light and it distorts the images and so we get better results when we are outside the atmosphere uh space telescopes like the uh, james webb telescope which is out uh, outside of our atmosphere it gets much clearer better um images thing is sending a satellite into space is incredibly costly and once it's out there, like you can't just like go fix it or go make a little tweak. It, it goes up there, and then like as we talked about in a previous episode, you can't just bring it down for a landing. It just crashes down or just floats around as space junk. So it's kind of like a one-time, one-off kind of deal. So this um, approach of using a balloon um, suspends it um, about forty kilometers or so above um, the surface of the Earth, which is. 
um, th- at that point, there's only like 0.5% of the Earth's atmosphere left, um, you know, messing up the image. So it's, it's almost a perfectly clear image, only just a tiny bit of uh, gas is getting in the way. Now I'm picturing like cartoon-like a regular balloon with one single string, just like up. something tied to it. <laughs> but I'm sure that's not how this works. You are sure. I- how, 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 <laughs> how big is the, uh, that balloon? I picture the balloon is very medium. <laughs> <laughs> it's the size of a football stadium. Oh, filled okay. with helium. Um, that's about five hundred thirty-two thousand cubic meters. Okay. And so it's, gonna it's carry... more like an airship kind of yeah, deal. Like, yeah, yeah. More I think I think picture more like a blimp, like a gigantic fucking blimp carrying all all telescopes need lenses and mirrors. The mirror is about uh, a foot and a half, maybe almost two feet uh, in diameter. So it's a fairly big telescope. Yeah. And uh, so this this will launch in April of 2022. So that's just a little bit over a month from when we were recording this. Ooh, exciting. We should yeah, check the so progress of this. Hubble's like on its last leg. It's It's been doing its thing I think, since like it's the 90s. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, so not only will this be able to get just as good um, images, but like, it's just only 40 kilometers away. Like we can have that balloon float back down, make some upgrades, adjustments, repairs, and just send it right back up. You can't, you can't do that with Hubble. That's true. Yeah. You can't do that with Hubble. So <laughs> this is a huge, huge cost uh, saving. Um, the construction of it was just $5 million. Oh, that's like nothing in yeah. the space that's photography about, fields yeah so the average satellite is about a thousand times more than that that's like five billion dollars so you could have like many of these and you can um basically uh, use lots of these composite images say from multiple telescopes and do some trigonometry and whatnot and and make us a bigger better picture from all these blimps from around the globe the other thing I liked about this, and I know I'm looking at it as a very like sort of imaginative like illustrator perspective here, but it takes pictures all night and then it uses solar panels to recharge its batteries during the day. So I just mm-hmm. imagine this cozy little blimp like drifting around at night with all the stars around it and then it just turns on its little solar panels and it's all like Yeah, it's but I'm sure it doesn't look as cute as I'm describing it. It's just a big balloon with a bunch of metal contraptions on it. You should look up a uh, yeah. picture. Mike, do you have uh, I might. Have we listened to it yet, or is this... No, no, so... Oh, this is a, a cold listen. This is a cold listen, so ladies and gentlemen, if it gets other, like, awkward cuts <laughs> There's, there's going to be an ad or something. Yeah. <laughs> just be, like, <laughs> this is the sounds of hell. Please stay Refinancing. tuned after these important messages. Um, <laughs> we're going to listen to this cold, and we're going to see if this is anything. The video I found is 4 minutes and 57 seconds, so chances are there's going to be some jackass worse than me talking beforehand. Or I'll during. try to see if I can find. Or maybe we can edit it till we get to the point. All right, sure. Yeah. yeah. We will start editing now. Pull up to the microphone. Oh, for fuck's sake, there's an ad. <laughs> Pull it up. I told you. Why? Wait, we want to hold it. You want to hold an ad? Do you want to advertise on our oh, podcast? No. Yeah. Fuck that. Skip ad. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm assuming this is the... 
This is the sound of hell. It sounds more 40, like a rainforest. Feet feet. <laughs> a rainforest? This is no rainforest. Well, there's like some little birdish sort of sounds in the beginning. There, see? That sounded like a rainforest thunderstorm. <laughs> the fuck is this? Let me see if I can find it. That's gotta be it. This has to be fake. Well, that's a little more than rumbling, too. So, if this is real... But, I mean... Maybe that's what it sounds like 40,000 feet deep. Who knows? That's what's under us. Interesting. I guess that's That sounds I... more hellish than the first yeah. sound. Yeah. Like, the first one you could have used for, like, some, like, ambient music track. Yeah, like this. like a rainforest. It sounded like, to me, it sounded like a rainforest minus most of the animal noises. It's just the background, you know, water dripping off of leaves and stuff. But I mean, okay, so that's enough of that. So yeah. in the in the in the description of the video, it's, uh, it was talking about how it sounded like human screams and everything like that. That sounded like human screams. Yeah, it did. Okay, that but been faked here's too. okay. Yeah, any dickweed could put audio on YouTube. Yeah, um, that's true. I'll do some more research and see if that's what it actually sounds like. My thing is, is though, so even if that is the real sound, right? Mm-hmm. With the amount of things going on down by the, our Earth's core, with how hot it is and everything, of course there's going to be a noise. Noises. Yeah. Noises that are unfamiliar to us because yeah. we've never experienced heat like that. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, when people are like, this screams of hell, it's like, oh, god damn it. Well, people <laughs> like to be dramatic, you know, makes mm-hmm. things interesting. I mean, that would be pretty fucking cool if all of our, like, souls that no, went to hell wouldn't. went down there and they're all screaming and stuff, and we're just up here all la di da di da Yeah. <laughs> and the souls are like, dude, they're getting closer, they've all <laughs> dug all the way down, don't stop, damn you, Maybe we got there, and the, the cola, the cola, cola borehole mm. basically like drop the temperature a little bit because they let some outside air in so basically yeah. all like like it's like that far side cartoon where the devils are looking it's like hey who adjusted the ac yeah. <laughs> that's right the cola borehole that's that's the dumbest name like they couldn't get more creative than that sounds kind of oh okay no i'm sure that's well wait cola is well c-o-l-a probably sounds exactly the same no no no. i thought i'm gonna look up what that is because i thought it was a russian acronym for something um no it's just the cola no borehole okay anyways anyways yeah so there you go the sounds of hell so this next one we're talking about is basically kind of like a radio um receiver looking for you could almost as an analogy the sound of dark matter but uh tuning into the wavelengths of uh dark matter would be the way to um, detect it and uh we've got some uh, experimental tests that are looking for that so dark matter is we are almost certain that dark matter exists it seems as though dark matter accounts for about 80 percent of all the matter in the universe it's called dark matter because it doesn't interact with electromagnetism, with electric magnetic radiation. So basically every, all the matter that we're used to, you can bounce light off of it, you can bounce radar off of it, you can bounce x-rays off it, and you can detect it because something bounces back. 
But imagine something was in front of you, like a big rock, and you shine a light on it and nothing bounced off of it. There's no sounds bouncing off of it. There's no radar, no heat glow, no nothing. That's kind of like what dark matter is. And it seems to be surrounding galaxies and super galaxies. And um, it seems to make sense that there's something there, but we just can't see it because it doesn't interact with any other matter. And we, we haven't seen anything like that in our own like day-to-day lives. Anywhere on Earth, we haven't seen any kind of energy or matter that doesn't interact with the electromagnetic um, force. So what's going on here? There's lots of ideas. The main ones are um, there's a chance that this kind of matter is made up of WIMPs, which is a acronym for weakly interacting massive particles. So they're weekly or weekly? Weekly. Oh. W E A. Not like every Sunday day is they interact. <laughs> Come every on, guys. Sunday. Um, weakly interacting massive particles are particles with mass. They have gravity, they exert gravitational force, um, but they're weakly interacting. They don't really interact with regular matter. So, acronym is WIMPs. Um, they could be axions, which we'll talk about here in a sec, or it could be dark photons, which are kind of like anti-photons. They're, photons are packets of light, but these are like dark photons that aren't made of part of the electromagnetic force. Or they could be machos. You got machos and wimps. Machos are course, massive, geez. compact halo objects. Hmm. Um, so, but it seems that wimps are the most likely candidate that there's some kind of massive particle that has gravity, but it's weakly interacting with the other forces. This uh, experiment that they have is going to be testing for dark photons. Um, it's uh, it's happening in California, I think, here. What? Uh, physicists at Stanford. Um, this is what they're doing is uh, basically if if it's a dark photon, it's so light. It has such a, a minuscule mass, like one trillionth that of like um, the like lightest thing you can think of. Um, because the way quantum physics makes sense is that you wouldn't have like a single point of of dark photons. It'd actually have to be spread out, like in a like a probability wave, and so you'd actually get these large um, uh, masses of, of waves, right? You can picture things as either a particle or as like a wave, and you'd see these big waves instead of like little tiny specks of dark photons. And if it has a wave, then it has a wavelength, and so that you should be able to uh, hear let, it. Yeah, like yeah. A, a radio transmitter, you can tune to pick up anything that vibrates at that frequency. So we hit. 98.5, it, you're detecting <laughs> electromagnetic waves that are vibrating 98.5 times a second or something 98. like that. 98.5 does kind of feel like a black hole sometimes. Where they play a black hole song all the <laughs> yeah. time. But you would have to get, you would have to make the right kind of transmitter that could pick up the right kind of wave. You yeah, know. you need the right kind of receiver. So basically there's all kinds of waves happening all the time, just like with radio signals. There's all kinds of radio signals coursing through the air all at once um they have to block out all the other things um so what they do is they've got uh this 
vacuum sealed chamber with liquid or not with liquid helium but with um gaseous helium that's cooled down to about four degrees above um uh absolute zero so it's in a probably a bose einstein condensate state of matter and um they um they have this cylinder that's got the vacuum seal with the helium inside of it and then they uh wrap it with neobium wire um, kind of like how you'd wind, uh, like the, like a guitar string has wire, nickel round wire. It's like that around a canister, and that basically blocks out all other kinds of electromagnetic radiation. So that theoretically, any kind of um, disturbance or you know pickup from inside of that would have to come from a dark photon. It couldn't come from any other kind of um, radiation. For the kind of work that they're doing, the actual device is like very disappointing looking. It just looks like the inside of a vacuum filter or something. Yeah, like it doesn't look very, you know, impressive. Yeah, it's very small. Like it, it's, yeah, it's, it's it looks just, like it's about six feet tall. Um, probably only weighs like about a hundred pounds, maybe. It definitely looks like a if prototype. It's inside, like yeah. it's not fancy and and you know pristine or anything. Mm-hmm. But. Um, it's called the Pathfinder. It's experimental. Um, they're hoping to ramp it up um, for other kinds of experiments. Um, but this is like one of the first and only things they've got to try and directly um, detect or infer uh, dark matter. And if dark matter is just you know passing through us and you know omnipresent, or if it's like the the macho, I think is like the macho. I think. Uh, uh, the massive, what was it? Uh, the massive compact halo, halo objects. Okay. That's, I think, like the idea that there is uh, this dark matter just appears or is concentrated around galaxies and like these on big grand scales, and you're you're not seeing them um, on like the smaller micro scales that we're at. But even even if they detect these radio waves and pick something up, I don't know if that would prove that you wouldn't be able to like definitively say what you're hearing either. You'd have to use a lot of cross-referencing, right, to say. So like, but they said like, imagine like you've got a radio receiver and you're not sure what what frequency band dark matter is being broadcast on, right? Yeah. So you're you're just basically scanning slowly across you know the the spectrum of where it could possibly be at least theoretically and then boom you find it at 93.2 okay well now you've got an idea of why does this dark photon um uh oscillate at yeah. that frequency that does start to kind of give you an idea of the properties and characteristics of dark matter or at least rule out what it's not yeah so or where it's not i guess yeah so it'd be really cool if anything comes up i would so far, all the whatever dark matter experiments we've come up with have come up empty-handed, and we don't have, or more or less empty-handed. Like we we don't have uh, a solid lead now on like what is dark matter or like how exactly it works. So this could be uh, this could be a cool cool uh, experiment if if anything comes of it, and if not, they're gonna build more stuff um, in the near future that uh, uses liquid helium, which is just barely above um, absolute zero, and they can test for axions. And axions are a type of theorized particle, but it's not part of uh, the standard model. Like the standard model of physics doesn't predict axions. 
problem is with the standard model, um, there's certain things that happen with neutrons that um, are inexplainable or are contradictory. And if axions exist, then it would kind of rectify why we see the behavior of neutrons that we see. Whereas the standard model says, like, actually, neutrons should have these problems, but for some reason, we don't see these problems with neutrons. So it'd be cool if they prove axions exist, because then that upends everything, and that's a revolution in, in science and physics, which is always exciting. Now, something else is really cool on the dark matter front is I haven't been seeing a few articles like this lately in, in the press about these uh, bridges or filaments connecting um, galaxies. Um, so yeah, there's there seems to be lots of dark matter um, around galaxies. Like earlier, I talked about how the Milky Way is the spiral galaxy, and it's flinging stars around. If if you visualize the arms of a spiral galaxy, mm -hmm. and the way gravity works is if it was spinning, those outer stars shouldn't be spinning that fast, right? Because it's so big, or if you just if you um, like. Just the way gravity works, like it's so far away, right? Like gravity's pull on the outer um, stars, on the very end of the tentacles, if you will. Yeah. They have less pull from They're gravity. Than the center. Right, but they're swinging as if they're directly connected. Like if you had like, if you tethered a ball and chain and swung it around you, the ball swings super fast connected to the chain because it's got the same amount of pull. So, so the chain is like the dark matter bridge. Right. Dark matter is making those outer stars stay in line and, and spin just as fast as all the other stuff. So dark matter is directly affecting the spin of galaxies. And, but there's also like these connections of, of dark matter that kind of connect galaxies to galaxies and, and are a big uh, cluster of galaxies and super clusters. And like, it's kind of cool that it, it basically kind of looks like in a big mapping big picture thing it looks like neurons of a brain yeah, like, it does. like all these galaxies are connected to one another and they're you know they're they're being affected by dark matter like if we just look at like okay like you know this galaxy Milky Way galaxy is being flung this way and then this other galaxy is being flung the other way they're not moving the way you'd, be, you'd think unless you take into account dark matter, which is pushing or pulling them in a different way yeah. or acting upon it to make it move in a different way. So that's another reason why we're pretty damn sure something like dark matter must exist because without it, things just don't make sense. And they basically trained um, this AI program to make a big map of um, galaxies and big space map. And they they use some simulations at first to kind of train it and how to study this kind of stuff. Because we don't have the best, like a perfect picture of all of space, but we've got clumps of it mapped mm -hmm. out and photographed. And so AI kind of, from what it learned, it was able to, to kind of fill in some of the gaps. And with what it's seen and what it can kind of predict is that there's these bridges or like these like filaments these strands of dark matter that are connecting galaxies to galaxy and are flinging and pulling and pushing and pulling them in mm. all these ways that we don't understand yet and then i guess we have to ask why because when you look at those maps it definitely looks like a network of something but is it a coincidental network is dark matter dark matter just there because it's there does it like 
Is it alive? It, well, I mean, kind of, that's what I'm saying. Did the dark matter move in such a way so that it was positioned mm-hmm. in that kind of like dark matter skeleton looking thing? Or maybe dark matter acts is, in a way yeah. that's not uh, predictable. It's not like a set way, like, oh, it has these kind of properties and characters, so, so it exerts this kind of force. Mm-hmm. Maybe it like makes choices or acts, you know, maybe. unpredictably. That'd be cool. I think scientists have already talked about this and we've maybe even podcast about it, but if dark matter like was the alien that we've been looking for, you know, mm-hmm. like it might be a... The universe is alive. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, or maybe the universe is just a two-dimensional uh, hologram. <laughs> Cop out. <laughs> um, this is actually kind of a theory that's been uh, being kicked around. Um, it's a little complex and a little weird and maybe hard to swallow at first, but uh, it's a serious competing theory on what's going on on a cosmological scale and what's going on at black holes. Um, I would say if you want to learn more about this, go watch Space Time series um, by PBS. They actually have lots of episodes that, that lay down the, the groundwork for understanding why... Um, just in the past 20, 30 years, scientists are seriously believing that maybe this three-dimensional um, space-time universe, this three dimensions plus the dimension of time, this three plus one dimension universe, is actually uh, a simulation being born out of a two-dimensional surface. So I'm going to attempt to kind of explain it, but you should really just go watch Space Time because they're way better at explaining it than I am. Well, I was going to say, I could try to explain it. Yeah. Because um, Reno yeah. tried to explain it to me before we started recording. Plus, you've been talking for like hella. Well, I have been yeah. talking Here's hella. The th- well, Reno understands this stuff much better than I do, which is one reason why he's covered the last few articles. But we're going to see if I understood Reno's explanation as well as Reno understands the actual concepts. Okay, so when we first <clears throat> picked this article... I misunderstood the title of it, and I was saying, wait a minute, are scientists trying to figure out whether the black hole itself is like a fake projection, you know, like it's not even there? And Rena was like, no, 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 this is what it means. And so I'm going to try to explain what it means. Okay, so people know that black holes are there because it seems like any object that gets close to them disappears immediately into like the super dense area that the black hole is. And... No, I've already lost it. No, no, that's no, good. No, wait, okay, wait. All right, so, but, Reno can help me yeah, out here. Yeah, so, and okay, like. with, with quantum physics and with physics in general, um, information can never be destroyed. You can always, oh, yeah, like, right. okay, look wait. at the, you can look at the history of it and be like, okay, if this particle is going this fast and in that direction, it must have come from that direction. For as this property, something nudged it or interacted okay. with it to give it that kind of property. Oh, so maybe I've got it now. You can't, Destroy information. Okay. Take it away, Nina. All right. So, at first, it seemed like people were saying, oh, in a black hole, like, whatever gets near it just disappears and it's gone forever. But that's not allowed with um, the laws of physics because matter can't be destroyed. Even if it ends up being changed in some way, it's still there. And I think what I understood was there's the inside of the black hole and then there's the surface of the black hole, which acts like a two-dimensional area. And that's what people mean when they say it's like a hologram because you could see the information. If we knew how to look for it and how to detect it, we could see the information on the surface of the black hole, which is kind of like, I picture like a computer screen over whatever is actually the black hole. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. 
So I'll never be able to do that again. See, like you could say. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now we see if Mike understands my explanation. No, I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, well. So um, you guys lost me like two articles ago. Yeah. (laughs) So let's say. Good thing there's a quiz at the end. Let's say like we knew like a black hole gobbled up all the matter of this nearby star. Wait, can a black hole eat black holes? Yes. What the fuck? Yes. Um. Let's say we have an understanding that it gobbled up this this massive star. The the equations and necessary to to compute or to know all the matter and all the information, like the spin and its charge and momentum, all that kind of stuff. All that information basically kind of fits or can be represented and is smeared across the surface of the black hole. You oh, don't you don't need to know <laughs> how uh, the volume or the density of the black hole, all you need to know is the surface area. The surface area can hold all that information. So really you could also look at the screen and know everything that's inside the black hole. Yeah. Because whatever passed into the black hole has like left its imprint basically on the surface. Right. So we could see like the history of the black hole travelers basically yeah and i think that's how it's being explained i think that's what they're talking about here i could be wrong so go watch space time yeah um but like this like um stephen hawking is famous for uh making the theory of hawking radiation i think you mean was famous is he still is famous r.i.p he was stephen hawking he was famous (laughs) still is uh which basically says like black holes evaporate even though we know that the pull of gravity is so strong that nothing can escape it, it wouldn't make sense without there being Hawking radiation. Somehow that matter is slowly leaked and radiated out. Um, that's kind of this, along the same lines as you can't, you can't destroy the information. It has to be preserved and it can be preserved with, via this two-dimensional surface. The surface <laughs> of a sphere could be described as a two-dimensional surface. It has no depth. But let's say, like, so, if, if we had a way to take whatever was in the black hole and pull it back out again, mm-hmm. would that imprint be erased from the surface because the thing is now gone? Or would there be two imprints showing that it went in and came out? I'm just wondering how the theory would explain yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know? Like, but yeah, so basically, like, if you wanted to retrieve or figure out all the information from the black hole, you only need to look at the surface. You yeah. don't need to go digging. No matter how big or dense it is, it all fits on the on the two-dimensional surface. And therefore, they're saying, likewise, maybe all this three-dimensional universe stuff, all that information is actually being held or projected from a two-dimensional surface and we're like a simulation like a, that's like, where it got like crazy we're like the virtual reality where like virtual reality does have three dimensions but it exists on a microchip so we so someone's theory is that we like the people having this conversation are basically like a, a 2d record of whatever is really we're a two-dimensional really algorithm yeah we're like a matrix program maybe the things that are us are actually what uh, that microphone picked up in the center of the earth or close to it so like we're <laughs> yeah. down there and our fake selves are up here making podcasts well, it could be think yeah. about it let's, uh, let's get all like weed smoker on this oh we already did oh, yeah. <laughs> like well i mean that's the thing it's like if we're a simulation the big bang is the computer program starting up yeah yeah mm-hmm. maybe yeah. and we're being simulated Oh, like as an ant farm for somebody else's entertainment. Like take the, 
take the sims right yeah you know like that yes please take them once you hit new game (laughs) once i hit new game that's like the big bang for that Mm -hmm. for that little world that i'm living in yeah what if we are all artificial intelligence what if our god is some zit-faced fuck playing the sims deciding what we're doing and everything like that and fate does exist because according to religion, everything that we do is predestined, right? Yeah. Well, so not, therefore, not according to religion. Therefore, in general, if some we are religions. okay, according to the religion in America, you know, oh. the, the big one. No, God gave us free The big one. Will. Stop it. The big one. Of the two I'm of us. I'm going down my rabbit hole of weed. Okay, you can just well, wait. make sure it's accurate. So here we are. Everything's predestined. You know, it's determined by God what you're going to do. Like your your life's been mapped out. We are the Sims. Could we be. don't know. We are the Sims. Like mm-hmm. we're somebody's little Sim program, and some jerk off with a computer is playing us right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it. So that's what the Big Bang is. The or, Big Bang is a new game. Or maybe it's kind of like Minecraft, where there's a certain set of rules and parameters, but you can create whatever you want. Like yeah, mine. The well, world of Minecraft in- isn't predetermined. Like there's still room for creativity and free will, but right. it's within the parameters of what's capable. It's in the parameters of the program. The same yes. thing happened in The Sims. When you're controlling one character, the other characters mm-hmm. are off doing whatever the fuck it is they do. Maybe it's like. Uh, like Forrest Gump said, maybe, maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's destiny. Maybe, maybe yeah. it's his choice. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. So we're a computer program for some big zit-faced alien. I think we should call this Gump Theory. And and yeah. and his alien mother's basement. Oh God! Got him to start investing in some fruit company. <laughs> <laughs> they did that on what was it? Men in Black. Like the, the, there was a, that alien dog yes. like yeah. had an actual galaxy in mm-hmm. on his dog collar or whatever the yeah. fuck. Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, we don't know where mm-hmm. where we are. We I, I bet you anything we're a computer chip. We, it, it we can't can make be, that yeah. bet because we can't prove it. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, just really weird, trippy things to think about. Um, well, also on illegal substances. <laughs> well, it's legal here now. Yeah, it's legal. well, not every one of them is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, this basically brings us to our final story, our final article. Brings us to the close. And this is this could be how it ends. We don't know. Supermassive black holes gobbling be. each other up, smashing it up into yeah. each other. That's the computer virus. Or black maybe. black holes are at the center of galaxies. Without black holes, there's no there's no galaxies. And without no galaxies, maybe there's no life. So then that is the end, yeah. yeah. But you know, for as crazy as black holes are and the fact that there's two massive ones that are gonna collide with each other in 10,000 years. It really doesn't sound like it's going to be that catastrophic. Like they're predicting the collision will just send ripples across the universe and then it'll affect the, you know, fabric of space and time. But it does not necessarily predict that there's going to be like a huge disruption in the universe from this. At least not in our neck of the woods, because this will be 9 billion light years away. (laughs) But everything is connected and interconnected. I think we've seen that in space so far. So that doesn't mean that things won't be affected by this eventual collision, because each of the black holes has a mass that is hundreds of millions of times larger than our suns. So yeah, super massive, not just regular black holes. These are just beyond comprehension. Um, Yeah, so we've got like LIGO is um, uh, a gravity wave detector we've built on Earth. And we've recently, in the just past few years, detected rippling gravitational waves, which we theorize, so it's true. And basically these, these 
collisions of black holes are so strong that yeah, they, they cause a ripple warping in space-time itself. And what's also interesting is like with these, I mean, just enormous amounts of energy, um, they're basically particle accelerators um, that are obviously much bigger than whatever we can create here on Earth with like CERN and stuff like that. So if we can measure or observe these, we can maybe gain some better understanding of, you know, big inflation, big expansion, big bang and dark matter and all that kind of stuff and, and figure out uh, how to merge the quantum physics and general rel- general relativity theory, which is uh, they can't uh, they can't mix. They don't make sense when you try and use both of them. But they quantum physics works on the small tiny things, but it will also use it for black hole stuff. But um, in generally, it doesn't make sense on macroscopic scales. And general uh, theory of relativity can explain all all these things about the cosmos, about you know speed of light and space time, but it can't. It doesn't make sense it breaks down when we try to take into account gravity on microscopic subatomic levels so there's some kind of discrepancy or some kind of connection between the two that we have yet to resolve maybe observing these gravitational waves or figuring out dark matter figuring out axions that will help us figure out how these two um, sets of theories blend together or like what needs to change exciting time for science i tell you yeah if someone is around in ten thousand years to observe this and analyze <laughs> it you know whether it's a person or alien or something yep that'll be that'll be epic but and i think that pretty much wraps up this black hole of a episode <laughs> <laughs> Mike we, has drifted into his own like black a black hole. hole. You guys just were like, blah, 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 blah. Well, because blah, it's not, blah. first of all, it's going to happen 10,000 years from now. We're not going to know about it. There's no not- one we know will ever know about it. And it might be that these two black holes just merge together and there's like a brief ripple somewhere and that's all that anyone knows of it. Or it might cause a much bigger, I don't know, ripple. But yeah. Yeah. So we don't know. Who knows? Probably makes as big as a of a big a splash and ripple as our episodes and podcasts do oh, in the bigger no, scheme of things everything is connected to something i'm telling you guys we have to start doing video with this, this. black hole merge has like 13 set listeners. it up like the joe rogan podcast oh, no the vi- no video, black no. hole merge <laughs> won't you merge <laughs> all right thanks for listening it's been another episode of six degrees of rumination with some of your hosts reno gorman Nina Boyd. Wait, what? Who are the other hosts? Yeah, no, that didn't come out right. There's right, black so. holes yeah. on yeah. the surface. Well, I did an article this time, so that's I was true. kind of a host. Yeah. yeah, that's like a that's a rarity. I've only done like two articles in yeah. 106 episodes. Welcome to the fold. <laughs> right. No, I'm out. <laughs> Good night.